0: Well, good evening. How many have just really had a terrible life? Have you had a bad time? Everybody's had some kind of bad time, right? My message title tonight is called Heed the Call. The Lord impressed upon me after the pastor asked me to speak that there's a couple folks here that either hear the call and don't understand it, have ignored the call, or are running from the call. Now, let me start out, first of all, by putting you all on the spot and letting you know that 100% of the people in this room are called. So don't doubt for a second that this message isn't for you. Because God has called you to do something. And we'll discover that tonight as we go along. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Father, we thank you for a time as this that we have to share together. Knowing, the Lord, that only you can satisfy. Only you can fill us. Only you can equip us, Father, for the ministry and the, the mission that you have for us. Give us, Lord, guidance as we go through this evening. And let the words be spoken, Father, that are only from you. Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 4:11 and 12. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, you've all seen that verse before, right? Nothing new that knew about that. How many feel that you weren't in that list? Nobody's brave enough to raise their hand. That's great, because you know I'm setting you up. We're all in that list, somehow. Now, you may not be called to go out on the evangelistic field. You may not be called to pastor a church. But every one of you to appoint are teachers. If you're parents, you're teachers. If you're Sunday school teacher, you're teachers. If you're a, a boss, you're a teacher. There was a man who was driving a little too fast, coming down a hill. He lost control of his truck. He started to go over the embankment, and it hit a bump, and it threw him out. He was able to catch a branch partway down as the truck tumbled to the ground and smashed it all up. So he's hanging on the branch, looking up. There's not, not too much he can do. He's a little too far down to try to climb up, and he's certainly too high up to let go. His arms are getting tired. His shoulders are getting sore. Doesn't know what to do. He finally, in desperation, he says... Is anybody up there? And, of course, the Lord answers and says, Yes, I'm here. What do you need? Well, Lord, save me. I'll save you, but you have to trust me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to let go. The man looks down at the distance, looks back up. Is anybody else up there? How many times in your life have you had to ask that question? When God told you what to do, but you want to know if anybody else is up there. When God tells you something, it's exactly what he wants you to do. God's calls are without repentance. When he wants you to do something, he doesn't change his mind. And if there is anybody else up there, believe me, you don't want to take their advice. Because you know who it is. Romans eleven twenty nine For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Now, just real briefly, you remember the story of the sheep and the goats? Everybody remember that story? Where they stand before heaven in the last days. God divides the righteous from the unrighteous, like the sheep from the goats. And he says to the, to the sheep, enter in, good and faithful servants, for when I was hungry you fed me, and so on. And then to the ones that did not, you didn't feed me, you didn't clothe me, you didn't bring me in. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Showing that God is very concerned about the poor and the destitute. That tells me that we are all called to be worried about the poor and the destitute. So, when you drive by that person with a sign, what do you do? Pull up the phone, talk, with the radio until the light turns and you keep going, you have to look at them. Don't we all do that once in a while? Why? I'm not saying you got to open the window and give them 20 bucks every time you pass one, because that's how some of them get rich. What I'm saying, what you have to do is pray for them. You are called to do more than sit on your backside in church. We are all called to do more than that. This is a refueling station. It's important to have rest and sit down and refuel. But when you walk out these doors, it's not time to go do everything else until next Sunday when you come to refuel. What are you spending your fuel on? Are you spending it wisely? Following the call that God has given you? Jonah didn't like the idea of going to Nineveh. Jonah not only didn't like the idea of going to Nineveh, he said, "Uh uh-uh, and went the other way. The whole book of Jonah talks about how Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and how he went the other way and what happened. Well, we know what happened. God just put his finger in the ocean and stirred it up a little bit. And he was the only one on the ship who could sleep. Now, when everything is going crazy all around you and you're the only one sleeping, don't you think everybody around you are going to say, what's up with that boy? So, of course, he knew, threw him over the board Fish came along and got him, puked him out, stank to high heaven and decided, well, I stink, but I better go preach. He ran from the call. And he paid the consequences rather quickly. But he still ended up doing what God called him to do. Uh, mind you, complaining the whole way. He went and preached exactly what God told him to repent or God destroy you. He goes up the hill. I don't want to do that. Sits down. He just waits for God to destroy it. And he didn't do it because they repented. Oh, he was mad. Jonah was mad because he wanted Nineveh destroyed. It It was an armpit. Now, how many preachers do you think go out there and preach a message hoping their message didn't get heard? How would you like to be called to be a man or a woman who's got the message that you know is the right message, but you don't want them to heed to it because you don't like them? That's what Jonah was doing. Well, I don't know how old Jonah ended up living and if he lived in Nahum's time or not. I don't remember the timeline there, but I do know that they still didn't get it and they were destroyed in Nahum. So if Jonah was alive, he might have felt a little better. I don't know. But his job was not to worry about what they did with the message. His job was to deliver the message. When you're called, your job is to deliver the message. Let God deal with the results. That includes your daily walk. That includes what you do every day of your life. Jesus calls us to go. Matthew twenty eight, nineteen and twenty. Very familiar passage. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Who is that to? Just the disciples? It's called the Great Commission because it was designed for every believer to follow. We were created for God's pleasure. We were created to worship God. How can we worship God? And not bring others to him. If my purpose is to worship God. Then why wouldn't I want to bring someone else along. To fulfill their purpose. Now Satan's purpose is to keep that from happening. God wants to make sure that we fulfill our purpose. To fulfill worship to God. Jesus said go into all the world. And preach the gospel. What is the gospel? Love the Lord. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to cleanse us from all the things that we couldn't possibly fix. So those people that say they're not worthy because they cannot do what God has called them to do and they know it because they're just such a worm. Need to realize that they're going to be a worm. In their own sight. Until they realize that they need to be looking like pastor talked about this morning. Through God's eyes. Because not one of us in this room, including the pastor, are worthy to do anything for God. Obedience is what we were called to do. Let God worry about the mess. So there are different callings for different people to do different things. But every one of us is called to do what God says to do. And that is go into all the world, not necessarily to Africa or Indonesia or Tahiti. But he wants you to go and spread the gospel. More than with your mouth, but through your actions. How much of the gospel are you spreading when your mouth's closed? We've all heard the saying, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. And of course, when I tell my kids, listen to what I mean, not what I say. But God knows, and the Holy Spirit directs. So, any buddy that is a willing, obedient vessel can stand up here, as long as he's got the rule book, and start reading it. And someone will get it. The gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. And if you want Jesus to come back, that ought to be enough motivation for you to get out there and get busy because he's not coming until the last person bows his knee or not. So don't be sitting back in your house saying, oh, Jesus, I wish you'd come. I wish you'd come. This world is so terrible. Oh, Jesus, please come. No, if you're if you're that much a hurry to go to heaven, then get out your Bible and start spreading the gospel, because the Bible says until everybody hears it, he won't come. That should be enough motivation for every Christian to get into some form of missions. We're all called to do that. I mean, it's for our own good, right? Be selfish. Hey, I want to go to heaven, so let's get busy. Get everybody else going too. Just Jesus does call us to go, but he doesn't necessarily mean we get to come back. Now, what's that mean? Well, how many people have gone out in the mission field doing the work of God and died. Whether it be just staying out in the field forever or being killed out there. Many missionaries have been killed, bludgeoned. Let's look in the Bible. talks about it there. Hebrews 11, 36 through 39. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in half. They were tempted. They were slain by the sword They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. They wandered in the desert and the mountains and the dens and the caves. Oh, boy. Goody. Who wants to sign up for that? It's not always just ducky. It's not always wonderful. We are going to take some, especially in the last days, We're going to take some heat for not only spreading the gospel, but just merely living it. Look in the the world today, just in the United States, trying to get rid of simple things like the flag salutes and all those things. Ten Commandments. Things that on the face, one little thing doesn't seem like that much. If we look back in the, the 60s when prayer got voted out of the schools. Who allowed that to happen? The Christians just sat back and let it happen? I'm not saying we have to get involved in politics, but we do need to keep our knees well-worn when the state of our nation turns into what the devil wants. Where in the Revelation area was the United States mentioned as a player? Where in Daniel was the United States mentioned as a player? This is not theology. This is not doctrine. This is just a question. What's up with America in the end days? The Bible says it's going to be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. So we know what Sodom and Gomorrah was like. And it doesn't take too far of a drive to get anywhere near that kind of activity just in this state alone, much less every other one. The things that we are accepting as okay through tolerance are not okay. Christians are not to be tolerant. Christians are to be intolerant when it comes to sin. Sure, we have to live in this world, but we are not of the world. The Bible says we are strangers passing through this world. We are aliens in a foreign land. The good thing about us aliens is we can turn other people into aliens and bring them with us. We can zap them with the word, with the Holy Spirit. But if you don't keep your ray gun with you. You don't keep it charged up. There's going to be no converts. You're never going to walk with Jesus until you take seriously his invitation to sell, to give, to sacrifice. What did he say to the rich man? What can I do to be your disciple? Sell, give, and follow. What are you willing to do? To make sure you're pleasing in your life to the Lord. Are you willing to sell, to give, to follow? Or are you comfortable? Oh, Lord, I'm 8,900 years old. I, I, just, I don't think I can do that now. I, I think uh, you know, I'm, only, I'm only 14. I, I got nothing to give up. Well, hey. The Lord calls us at all ages. From the cradle to the grave. Lives can change. I know of infants and their situation and their circumstances that have caused people to come to their knees and come to God. Same with people on the other end of the world or the other end of the age. God uses every circumstance around us to make sure that everyone gets an opportunity to choose Christ or damnation. I don't know about you, but it's not very comfortable for me to think about someone I may have let the message slip by. And then they're dead. Knowing I had an opportunity to at least plant the seed. Just happened to be talking to a former employee of mine on the phone tonight. Not doing too well. Doing great financially. Got a great job. Doing great. Making more money than I ever paid him. But he's in the middle of a divorce and all kinds of sort of details. And I says, but are you in church? What are you doing about that? Some people you can talk to direct and set it on a table. Other people, you have to be a little more politically correct. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes in to tell you what to say and what not to say. But if you are not in the Word, if you are not on your knees, you are going to have really hard of hearing in the Spirit. Now, some people have hard of hearing in the Spirit just walking in the doors of the church because the way they're living for the Lord on the outside of the doors is not what needs to be. So they come to church and they need to put their hearing aids on. Hopefully, when you come to church, you get your ears cleaned out. So you can hear what God says to the church. You don't want to be like some of those churches in Revelations that God doesn't like. Especially the one that gets spewed out of his mouth. You want to be a church that gives to God. And I don't mean just financially, I mean gives. How many of you here tonight are involved in some form of activity at the church, whether it be direct ministry, whether it be janitor, whether it be Sunday school, any kind of influence in the church. How many are are some kind of service to the church of some way? You know what the national statistics have generally been over the past 20, 30 years? That 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. Isn't that terrible? Now, I'm not saying you have to to be down here every time the church opens and and every time you see a speck on the carpet you pick it up and that'd be nice of course but (laughs) what I'm saying is the ministry of meatloaf is important too if pastor's sick or if pastor's wife is sick make some meatloaf and send it over there and I heard he loves Brussels sprouts (laughs) not really no If there's a funeral like you had a few weeks ago and everybody volunteered to send food, that is a ministry. Don't sell yourself short. You're probably in some form of ministry and don't even know it. If you're praying for somebody so that they come to know the Lord or that their situation gets help, did you know prayer is a ministry too? Intercession is a vital thing in the church. If you're not praying for your pastor, you need to double check your spirituality you know some people don't like their pastor and that's okay because it isn't really a popularity contest he's here because God put him here he's here because God wants him here so no one in any church can be arrogant enough to think I got him here I can get him out because I tell you what you mess with God's man you're messing with God and that's anywhere you go God loves everyone in this universe. God wants every person living past and future to be with him in heaven. But he, through his own choice, depends upon us to get them to the point to where they'll say yes and come. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He'll help us to do that. He'll help Prepare the way ahead of us so that when we speak those words that we've been prepared to say, we can speak those words at the right time and the right place so that the seed will be planted. I was a youth pastor at a church in the area back in the uh, mid-90s. And we had, you know, 20, 30 youth. Lost track of most of them. A couple of them didn't turn out the way I wanted them to. You know, they're drugs and jail. And... But just two weeks ago, the church got a letter in the mail and a phone call from one of the youth that was there. And they were looking for me. Where's Pastor Andy at? Well, he's not here anymore. He's been gone for several years. Well, I just want to let him know that, that I'm a reverend now. I'm in the ministry. I'm an associate pastor of a church. Make sure you let him know. Now, that made me feel good. Finally, somebody did something. Something. <laughs> You're never, not never, you may never hear something about the seeds that you planted and see them come to fruition. You may never. Well, you will in heaven, but on this earth you might not. And it's not your job to worry about that. It's your job to be faithful and obedient to do what God's called you to do right here, now, today, and let him deal with the result. Because he's got all these people lined up for that person's life to keep planting seeds and watering as they go. So that when the time is there, God's going to make sure the right person with the right message is there at the right time. But what if it's you? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? A church that gives itself away will survive. It's a church that will change the world. Where's your mindset when it comes to missions and the Great Commission? Where's your mindset when it comes to... And I haven't talked to a pastor about any of this. I don't think I'm picking on anybody. Where is your mindset at when you're thinking about winning the lost at any cost? If you're not willing to do what it takes, whether financially, whether through prayer, whether through whatever means, to get involved in the gospel, it's not just a pastor's job. The pastor is to equip. The church is to reach. The church reaches the lost. And then the pastor equips the found. And that's what every church should be doing. Sure, it's a hospital to some. Very important. It's an infirmary. But it's not a morgue. People should walk in here one way and leave better than they came. And that is not the pastor's job. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. But we as people in our finite finite humanism can mess that all up. Did you see what Sister Sue was wearing? That pastor, he was singing so off key, I couldn't keep up. What are you spending your time in that pew doing when the service is going on? Are you here to worship God or worry about what everybody else is doing? It's hard because we're human. We see all this stuff. I'm not saying it's not hard because I do it too. I used to go to the mall just to sit there and try to figure out what is he doing with her? I wonder what he does for a living. Now, how bad is that? I mean, I was like 18, but still. Why? What a waste. I should have been out there saying, do you know my Jesus? We all need this message. We all need to understand that no matter what age we are, we need to be ready. Paul told Timothy, be instant in season and out of season. Be ready to preach. Be ready to let it go right now. Because you never know when something's going to pass you by that you need to take it. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some folks that think, well, you know... I'm a product of my past and my past is really terrible and, you know, I I just don't think I can do it because, you know, I'm just so bad. And everything happened to me. My life was terrible and none of it was my fault. Everything happened to me and it just... I can't do anything for God. Life done done dealt me a dirty deal. Well, the good news for you today is that the gospel doesn't Worry about the past. It asks about your future. The gospel is more concerned about what's going to happen in your future than anything in your past. So when it comes to ministry, to heeding the call of God, whether it be direct in ministry or the ministry of meatloaf or the janitor or the toilets or whatever, you do it as unto the Lord. (coughs) Knowing that he will bless you. For your obedience. Don't let the past bog you down. Because the first thing that the enemy is going to do is remind you of everything you've done wrong. Show you how terrible you are and how you shouldn't even hope in the Bible because you're such a bad person. Anybody ever have those kind of thoughts before? I just can't even pray I'm so bad today. That's the enemy talking to you pastor even talked about it this morning. When God forgives, he does what? Except you? Are you so bad that God forgives everybody and loves everybody except you? Surely there's somebody in this world that's done worse than you. After all, you are here tonight. God don't make junk. And when you are cleansed by the power of Jesus' blood, He looks at you through glasses that see only perfection when, they look, when He looks at you. When the sin is gone because of the blood, it's gone. Now, Satan, He's still got it all written down. He's a good fisherman. He can go out in that sea and pick it all up. When the enemy reminds you of your sin, All you need to do is remind him of God's grace. He don't want to hear about it because he knows all about it. He don't want to hear that you understand that Jesus loves you in spite of yourself. That Jesus loves you even if you messed up five minutes ago before you came into service. Jesus loves you and is still calling you. The enemy is going to throw garbage in your path. What you do with that garbage, whether you embrace it or not, is up to you. If you choose to hang with people that are not consistent with a Christian lifestyle, you're going to affect your spiritual life. Oh no, I'm strong. I can handle it. I'll be the witness. Well, let me give you a little idea on how you can decide whether that's really true or not. When you get home tonight, I think it's trash night most everywhere, Go out by your trash can, open it up, dig around in there, get it stirred up a little bit and stand there for about 45 minutes. It's going to stink to high heaven when you start. Don't you agree? I'll bet you after 20 minutes, you're not even going to smell it anymore because you get used to it. That's how compromise works. You hang around garbage, you're not going to smell it after a while. You're not even going to know it's garbage. What are you doing? To fulfill the calling that God has given you. What are you doing to be obedient to the call? Bleach, well, bleach helps. But the Holy Spirit's better. The Holy Spirit can do a mighty work in you that you won't even know yourself in two years. You videotape yourself in your mind and kind of remember... And you start living for the Lord in obedience to His call and see where you go. Now, let me tell you a little something about Andy Burns without giving you too many details. About 20 years ago, I was just starting in the military. I was over in the Philippines and, you know, I've known since I was 16 or so that I was called to the ministry and went through the appropriate steps, you know, Bible college and the youth groups and the advisory boards and the... The youth choirs and the choir tours and all that good stuff. Then I interned over at Calvary Temple for about three years. So I was ready. Ready for ministry. I knew I was ready. I was ready to take a church. I was ready to be a pastor, social pastor, youth pastor. You name it, I was ready to go. And I had lots of offers. People were offering to to let me be their youth pastor, their music minister, whatever. But I, I... I don't know how, but I had the smarts to say, well, you know, you better talk to Pastor Wright because I'm committed here for a couple of years. Well, you know what he had the nerve to do to me? Oh, he's not ready. No, you can't have him. I wasn't. I knew that. So I went to the military thinking, well, you know, I'm not doing any good sitting behind a desk at Calvary Temple trying to tell somebody. I understand about the world. I understand what you're going through. These temptations you're having. Raised in church all my life. Preachers kid all my life. Oh, yeah, I understood everything they were going through. So I joined the Navy. I began to understand it, what they were going through, because then I had to live it. I had to live in the mess and still maintain a witness. God told me during the first few years there that my ministry was going to entail a lot of things that had to do with Isaiah 61. Binding up the broken hearted putting oil on the, the wounds and so forth deliverance it meant nothing to me really didn't understand it some of the words I didn't even pay attention to like deliverance <laughs> what's that I did it just kind of it took about 15 sixteen years before that word even came out in my head the one thing that God did tell me though back then was you know I'm going to use you in ministry but you are not going to fully be effective in ministry for me until you hit the bottom. So, of course, I was always thinking everything I went through was the bottom. Everything, oh, this is it, this is it. I can't get any worse than this. Well, it finally happened. I lost everything family, home, job, vehicle. Literally no place to live. Just a friend's house. God, why did this happen to me? Felt like Job. What did I do? Now, unlike Job, I know that I, you know, had a part in part of the problem. But I knew that God was my source. And I found out when I got to the bottom of the barrel. That I was still... Founded in Christ. That's a good thing to find out. Because that's about all that was left. The only thing I didn't, didn't lose was my freedom. But God quickly turned it all around. I'm not saying you have to go through all that to be able to be in ministry. God forbid. But I can minister to people now that I would have never even been remotely able to talk to. If you want to talk to somebody about their situation, and you've never been anywhere near their situation, your credibility is not quite there. Yeah, you can tell them what the Bible says, which is what I was doing as an intern at Calvary Temple. Here's what the Bible says. You know, I had my one semester at Bethany Bible College. I knew exactly how to show them, you know, how Christ would act and what the Bible says. And I can still tell you what the Bible says. But how does that help you who are going through it? Well, when I've been through something that you've been through, doesn't it make it a little easier to talk? God uses our experiences God uses the things that we've gone through in our lives to minister to other people. And believe me, he's going to bring people into your path. They're going to have the same kind of needs you had. And you better keep your ears open so you can minister to them and their need. That's the point of all this. Don't think that life dealt you a dirty deal. Think about, all right, yeah, it was terrible. But God brought me out of the miry clay Set my feet on a rock to stay. And now I know when I see somebody walking around with muck on their shoes where they've been and I can help minister to that need. Whereas, you know, Brother Joe over here, you know, he's been in church all his life, never even had a, a, a problem in his life. He hey, what a dirty pants. Go, go, go wash off. You're going to be able to minister to that person if you're obeying and heeding to the call that God has called you to. God has called you based on where you're at today. Please understand, folks, that God's calls are without repentance, number one. And number two, He's going to call you into an area that you will do the most good based on where He's let you go prior to today. Don't ever, don't ever do what everyone told Job to do. Oh, just curse God and die. Or as Pastor was talking about this morning, just cash out. Check out. Because that's your lowest, is when you find out that you have the most. You don't need anything. I found out, oh sure it was nice to have a big old six-figure income, but I found out I didn't have to have it to be happy. I found out I didn't have to have a big job, a big house, a big car. I didn't have to have all that to be happy. I found out I had Jesus. And that was enough. And God has returned just about everything I ever lost because of his grace and his love. And he'll do the same for you if you're obedient. Now, I'm not saying I did everything right. None of us can ever say that. But let me tell you, if you keep your nose in the word, keep your knees bent, God will be doing some talking to you. And he'll let you know it's okay. What you're going through is okay. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I will take care of you. We'll get through this together. I'm holding your hand. We will get through this. You can make it. And not only will you be able to make it, when you come out at the top, you're going to be able to say, glory to God, why don't you come listen to what I have to say about God's wonderful grace and love. Rather than, oh, woe is me. Man, it's so terrible. Here's what happened. You are called, every one of you, me too, called to minister the gospel to a dying, lost world. What are you doing with that calling? Are you His hand extended, reaching out to the oppressed, touching them and then touching God and bringing them together? Or are you just Trying to be satisfied with just your salvation, with fear and trembling and and just trying to do what you need to do so that when the rapture comes, you can go with. The Bible says, occupy till I come. Occupy by heeding to the call. Most most folks have problems today because they either can't, can't, won't, or refuse to heed to that call.